All right, welcome to another episode of Rosenballs. The Mitchell saga with New York is this fascinating. Um, this took a complete curve, right? And here's why. Donovan Mitchell was was never the story, and and here's what I mean by that. Um, the story more on a macro level was, you got to be kidding me, like they're doing it again, right? The Knicks, like they're looking to try to contend already, or, you know, and again, like, I know people's comment is, like, first get the superstar, then figure it out. Um, you know, my my response to that is more of, like, you're, you're just not there yet, meaning, like, you, you need to save that usage and those minutes and that opportunity for the youth and see if you can get anything, and then if you don't, you know, you, you build through the draft, and that's it, and the Knicks have never been good at building through the draft because they're too impatient. But this is a unique new strategy. So, a few things. <clears throat> and it's because the biggest piece here wasn't Mitchell. It was Randall. And at the whole time, if they... Moving Randall was key. Moving Randall was key for a few reasons. He's a massive addition via subtraction for the team. He always was, by the way. <clears throat> One, because there's this sort of like subjective, instinctive, psychological thing with the team that he's still the leader, and then, you know, it's kind of like the Ewing theory, where he's still going to occupy a lot of possessions, and they're going to ride with him whether, you know, he's efficient or not. The second thing is, just for him to be successful, it means he's playing the four, he needs usage, which now is to can take shots away from all the youth, and more particularly Obi Toppin, right, who, who showed signs down the stretch. Okay, but this new uh, report with the Lakers being involved, completely alters what the Knicks can do. So let's talk about this new rumor. If the Lake, if the Knicks add the Lakers in this three-way, and let's just make it as egregious as possible. So let's say, the remember, the Lakers have a 2027 and a 2029 uh, unprotected first. And if you're Danny Ainge, you're thinking long-term here, and, and nor, obviously looking at, you know, the drafts, but you, but you do want to be, um, you know, you don't want to have like 10 picks in one draft, right? You want to have it kind of evened out nicely over the course of, uh, you know, the next five years. Because when you, if you do that, you're going to actually be able to more easily develop the youth that you get, assess them well, get everyone some clean positioning, and kind of move on from there. <clears throat> so that, that to me is the more apt route. Now, if they get the Lakers involved and they move Randall Fournier, and let's make it a, just throw in Derrick Rose in there. Okay. that That's huge. Why? Because now you can then use Westbrook's contract, you go to the, the Jazz, and you're hoping the Lakers actually dangle a pick. And that's one less pick that you have to give to the Jazz if you're the Knicks. Knicks accomplish two things in doing this. One, to go after Mitchell, they're relinquishing the need for an additional pick. The Jazz feel good because they want to get it to a number. They want to get to the number eight, it seems. They want to get eight first, okay? And so that, that's that's the big thing. So here, there's actually a, a route here. If the Knicks really play it right, in my opinion, they're going to have to... I think they got to move all three of Randall, Fournier, and Rose. They just have immediate impact. Um, 
They're going to have immediate impact. Um, they're going to have immediate impact for for the uh, for the Lakers, right? So, look, I don't think it's a good deal for the Lakers. I want to be clear. Like Randall, Rose, Randall, James, and um, Davis is clunky. You can play them in a front court together. Rose is Rose fourteen backcourt, but but again, you're, the Lakers then go to starting five fouls. You have Rose Fournier. I mean, it's enough. They just need guys who can play, and that's a crunch time unit. That's at least interesting. And then you have pieces that if guys are out, uh, back to backs, what have you, um, you know, actually, actually, could play right. So like. You know, if one of those five guys are out, you're five two. Even you're, you're competitive, and if you're the Lakers' goal, you just want to make the playoffs, then you hope you're healthy, then you're good, fine. Well, the Lakers give you a pick for that. Again, Tucker's probably going to have to go. And for the Knicks, you're fine getting Tucker because Pop and Tucker, you know, Tucker could back up top. The big benefit here is now this is how the deal could theoretically go, right? The deal could then be so all those Knicks players go to the Lakers. A Laker pick, so now a Laker pick is going back to the Jazz, and I think the Jazz, the Jazz, is going to want at least two Nick unprotecteds, which is where there's a concern, but not as big of a concern now because Randall's gone, and then they're also going to get three of the four of the protected Nick picks. Okay, so for the Knicks, <clears throat> the real pick that's going to have the most value here is 2023. So if the Knicks are willing to relinquish. 2023 and let's say it's 23 and 25 and now they're getting a Laker 27 I think the Jazz are pretty happy with that scenario in fact they're more happy because I would argue the Laker 2027 pick has more value than the Nick 2027 pick given that the Lakers are being really short-sighted here there's a good chance of three years or even two years this kind of collapses for them and then the Jazz could say, okay, we want an eight, we got six, that's not bad. And, you know, they're not getting any youth back. I don't even know if the Jazz want the Nick youth, okay? So if that's the deal, it's basically Westbrook and six picks for, for, for Donovan Mitchell. Look, that's a rebuild play. You're Drew Holiday on steroids. You're fine with that. You're happy with that. Let's focus on the Nick um, experience here. So now... Let's just play it out. Let's say it's let's say it's Rudy Gay or Tucker is the additional guy, right? Or Clarkson could be involved. It's it's minor. But in the end, if you're left with Brunson, Mitchell, Barrett, Toppin, Robinson, okay, and then your bench is quickly Grimes. You know, Tucker or not, Reddish is still there. Hart, Hardenstein. Now you have you're having your cake eaten too, because you have youth you can develop. Right, you have youth you could develop with the potential to win now because Mitchell's a big upgrade over Randall. Again, you're swapping it. The reason I didn't like the trade initially with Mitchell is the fit with Randall. There's defense, whatever, and the Toppin. What's he doing? So Mitchell Randall is a swap, and but now Toppin's in a position to really elevate. So it was quickly potentially, right? And Grimes, so youth now could, could do their thing. This trade really fails if you go 0 for 4 with and Reddish, by the way. So between, in order, and look, Barrett, Barrett now also has more usage because Randall's gone. 
But between Toppin, between Barrett, Toppin, uh, Grimes, um, Reddish, you can throw Deuce McBride in there quickly, you're probably going to get organic improvement somewhere, plus the uptick of Mitchell over um, of Randall. So that's a decent improvement. Is that seven wins to get you to the plan? Yeah, it, it very well could be, right? So a lot of benefit to that. Now, what it seems to be that the Knicks are doing, and this is it, this is, they've done it the last few drafts, this is interesting. When you're drafting like in this 15 to 20 range, which they are, they realize one of the biggest inefficiencies, and by the way, this is not only in the NBA, it actually applies more to the NFL, is <coughs> trading for future picks or drafting back. So you have a lot of these teams like Utah's going to be one, OKC, etc., that start over, um, they have way too many young assets, right, and way too many future picks, and or they fall in love with the player in the draft. You know, the Knicks are now understanding this. This deal, by the way, the trade that they did is super underrated. People don't give it enough credit. They traded the 11th pick in, you know, a draft that was a super struggle. Could they have gotten A.J. Griffin? Great. Would he have played? Who knows? But, if the, if, again, if the players are in a position to play in their team and have a development opportunity, better to trade back. And the Knicks knew this, which, which again, I'm impressed with. They knew, look, as much as you like the 11th pick, he's not going to play. If it was A.J. Griffin, on, if they're going to get Mitchell and all that, you know, he's not going to have, and they like Grimes, where is this young guy going to play? So instead, they took advantage of OKC, who were like Usman Jing, and the best time to do that trade is on draft day. The best time. Because that's when that new player has, has, you know, he's a fresh toy. He's got the best value. But once you start playing with him, you realize he's not that great or where is he going to fit. The value diminishes. Right? So the OK, they got the OKC, you know, the Pistons, Jalen Duran, all that. You know, that was smart. And they could do it again in 2023 if they keep Dallas, the Dallas pick. Let's say of the picks they're giving up, even if it's their own unprotected. They feel they're going to finish with the playoffs. You know, the Jazz take that shot. That's going to be the risk move is the 2023 pick. Let's say that's the risk. Okay, great. <clears throat> so if they take that risk... If that's one of the only risks that they do, it's really not so bad because they're going to get the Dallas pick. I think Dallas comes back to earth. Let's say that pick is the 20 to 25 range, and it's in a deep draft and a guy you like. They may be able to move that pick for additional firsts. How about that? Right? Or an additional first at the very least. Right? But that pick falls 23, and I don't know. I don't know who it would be, but like a team is interested, you can now trade that. I don't care if that future picks protect. I don't think you, I don't care if you get two of them, right? That to me is a more sensible angle. It could be OKC again, and just and start just stockpiling these multiple picks because then you're gonna need these assets down the line when you want to make your next move to really contend. Okay, so yeah, are the Knicks gonna contend now? No, of course not. It's a ridiculous statement. They will not contend immediately. Obviously not. Okay. But they're going to be in that 6-10 to 10 range. Kind of similar to the Bulls. Let's call it between the Bulls and the Cavs. Okay. Obviously, Gates incitement. And they're now at least putting all of that youth. We mentioned six guys. Six young guys. <clears throat> for a chance to 
you know, obviously if they go six for six, now you're talking that could be special. But if they go even two for six, right? And if and Toppin's the big one, right? But if one of Toppin or Reddish do something, <coughs> Grimes continues to develop quickly. You know, you're hoping Barrett does something, does improves. This is a really interesting future roster. It's putting them in a far better position than doing the strict rebuild. Again, the other this is the best case in terms of this is how you play with having your cake and eating it too, right? I would have said, okay, no, they need to um, they need to rebuild. So this to me is um, way way smarter, and you know definitely has uh, has more legs than uh, than anything else they were thinking of. I mean, if this is the move, and they continue doing this route, or they just trade for future picks, and you know, da, da, da. look, Stephen A is still gonna tell them and then overnight you're like wait how do they become so good it's a step process but they're they're in a lot better shape than i think people give them credit for if they pull